And that's why this feels so important because when we lose the connection, we lose the capacity for compassion. And it feels really dangerous to me when we toss things off as, oh, that's just too political. I'm not going to engage in that because when we do that, when we refuse to engage, we are consciously severing our connection with other people. And when we do that, we are losing our capacity to care for them. What time, like, 10th time's a charm? Maybe more than that, I feel uh, like. Yeah. It's been ridiculous. We've resorted to drinking this morning. <laughs> we'll get to that after I bring in our introduction. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot what it is. Welcome to Be Createful, a podcast about how we talk about finding fullness through creativity. I'm Joe, And I'm Madison. And today, on episode seven, we're talking about Social tension. Oh, I'm feeling it already. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone's been feeling it for months. I mean, for a long time and even beyond just 2020. This is something that's been going on since people existed. Right. It's not new. Um, I am really nervous to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. Mostly I'm nervous because I don't want to um, paint... (sighs) Okay, here's what's making me nervous. It is the idea that everything is political. And I do not want this to be um, an hour or however long of us talking about politics because I don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that idea of just brushing issues off as I'm not even going to think about that because everything is just so political. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is a cop-out and I feel like we have lost the ability to disagree well with each other. And so if someone doesn't agree with us, then all of a sudden it is just too political and we can't even have a discussion about it. And I think when we can't have discussions about things and stuff goes unsaid, that just increases tension. Yeah. When when anything becomes taboo, um, we lose the ability to grow in that area. So if we can, hopefully we can use this time to open up ourselves and then give you sort of some tools or, or some thoughts about how to open up in your own conversations. Yeah. We do not have Sonic today, but Madison did make us some butter beer. Yes. Because we have a Harry Potter class coming up. Well, by the time this airs, the Harry Potter class will already have happened. But um, I haven't tried it yet. So oh, no. I'm going to taste the butter beer. Oh, my goodness. Madison, it's so good. Okay. I feel prepared to have this conversation now with oh, my butter beer. Good. The topping. Mm. Okay. Thanks. I feel, now I feel better. My tension has been relieved. Yeah. Okay. Step one, if you are feeling too much tension socially right now, um, we will post the recipe that Madison used yes. that she developed for better beer. And you can find that in the show notes, which are on our website. So tell me some things that have been 
circulating through your head? Because um, there's been a lot. Yeah. So obviously, I think things started with um, when the pandemic hit and just mixed messages on what we were supposed to do, how serious we were supposed to take it, um, how people reacted to that, who people were listening to, do, you know, there was just so many mixed messages. And then um, even do we, do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? And the debate that happened there. And then now all of a sudden when you go to Walmart, there's just anger and heightened uh, tension between people based on if they're wearing a mask or not from everyone. And again, we're, I don't know how to have this conversation without bringing in some of our biases and the things that we think. And so I don't think the point here is to have a completely unbiased conversation, but also I'm, I don't want to villainize anything except the things that should be villainized like white supremacy. We denounce that now. So that would bring in Another issue that then on top of COVID, then we had the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent events that happened after that. And you just saw, again, another log get added to this fire Mm -hmm. of the social tension and the heat just, it just got hotter. Um, And then with the presidential election, which obviously, that is Political. Yes. Um, and just more and more and more, I think people are becoming polarized. And in that polarization, as we are backing into our corner, away from the middle, away from, and I don't mean the middle as far as, pol- as, far as compromising or policy. I just mean the middle of the room where everyone can exist. Yes. So something... That we that you're touching on here is that we've kind of started off this year social distancing, and so because we've put this mm. distance between ourselves um, physically, we've also had this sort of um, this interaction um, distancing as well, to where now most of our interactions happen online on the dig- digital space, um, and I think lots can be. Um, Lost in translation through also, that. Also, there's no accountability online. You can be so nasty and so mean because you don't know the person that you're responding to. Or even like on Facebook, you make a post and then someone makes a comment and then someone that doesn't know them gets nasty in the comments. And Yeah. All of these issues, uh, all of this tension would be great even if we were speaking in person with each other. But I think it is made worse by the fact that we are separated by different screens and we're separated into our own uh, little corners. Um, and we're, we are controlling what we let in and what we let out. And um, there's lots of times that that's a good thing, but I think when we close ourselves off completely, um, then we're not able to have healthy conversation with each other. And when you say close ourselves off completely, do you mean like self-isolation or do you mean closing ourselves off to people who disagree with us? Kind of that idea of existing in an echo chamber. Yeah. The idea of just, I, I have my set beliefs and 
I'm not going to listen to anybody else. Listening to someone does not mean that you agree with them. Hearing someone out does not mean that you, I'm just repeating myself at this point. That's fine. I think we need to hear that. (laughs) That listening to someone (laughs) does not mean you agree with them. Yeah. So hearing someone and thinking that they might have a point and starting to change your point of view does not mean that you were stupid at the beginning, that um, somehow it's a sign of weakness that you are considering someone else's point of view. Um, it's healthy. It's how, it's how you're able to make more informed decisions is to hear from different sources. Well, okay. Two things. Let's see if we can talk about both of them without me forgetting. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is I think we have turned everything into like us and them and there's like a winner and a loser. And somehow if we change our mind, then we're giving up some arbitrary power that we thought that we had. Um, You know, I see that even in how we've dealt with COVID when at the beginning, scientists are like, they say one thing because there's not a lot of information. And then as we get more information and the scientists say something else, then the general population is like, see, they don't know what they're talking about anyway. Mm -hmm. But that is actually the scientific process, which acknowledges that we don't have all the answers from the beginning. And it takes, we have a hypothesis, we test it, we see what happens, and then we adjust our knowledge and our understanding based on what we see happening. Yeah. How arrogant is it to think that once you have formed an opinion or a conclusion, that once it is formed, that's the only one that you're allowed to have, that, oh, it must be the right one. Um, Especially when we're forming those opinions on such a limited perspective, just our own perspective or the people that we're listening to, which that brings me to the second. Ooh, we did. We, I got to the second point. Ooh. You were saying listening to other people. That's how we broaden our perspective is by hearing the stories of other people. And this is something that I wanted to bring up later, but I think it's, it works well for us to talk about it here. What are ways, what are some ways that we are able to intentionally get out of our echo chambers? And that means we have to seek out perspectives that are different than us. What are some ways we can do that and still feel safe or like we're not going to be attacked or whatever? Ooh, I mean, that's a difficult one. Um, as someone who is in their, um, in their 20s, we just as young people tend to surround ourselves with young friends. So... What you do is you seek out people who are different ages than you. Um, you need to try and build relationships with people outside of what's easy. Um, so, for example, I have a friend who is my mom's age. And I love that because I get this perspective um, that isn't just some 20-something telling me about their perspective. I get that different point of view. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to find places where those people are. Um, If you're only going into spaces where someone who feels the way you do is just going to be there, you have to realize that you probably need to step out and 
try something else. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of how do we get um, outside of our own perspective in a way that still feels like we're not putting (laughs) ourselves way out there on the edge is uh, to read. And Oh, yes. um, I, so last, well, I guess it was last year, our, my book club read The Hate That you, The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a, the perfect example of reading because the story is told from the perspective of a black girl that is involved in a police shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will never experience, I cannot experience that. And so being able to read a story from her point of view and care about her, per, you know how you connect to literary characters. And um, I think that that is a way to start to open up your perspective and see things from different sides. Yes. So, okay. So. I am not. I have not broken out in a horrible sweat. <laughs> I might be a little bit blotchy. <laughs> no, you look great. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, it is uncomfortable because this is probably one of the more vulnerable conversations um, that people can have. Um, it requires you to open up and possibly reveal things that you didn't even know you had, biases and um, feelings and things, when you get into this sort of social tension conversation. And so that's kind of what I'm feeling right now, even though, Joe, I trust you mm-hmm. as a friend. Um, and I think there's, going, there's a lot of people that are experiencing this right now that they feel like they can't even talk to their friends about how mm-hmm. they feel um, because they think that they will become... Um, ostracized, that because they have a certain conclusion um, or they have a certain view, their friends will no longer want to listen to them. And what I would challenge people to do is to be the person who is willing to listen to others, that just because someone has a different point of view than you, you listen and hear them through and still disagree at the end. Um, but don't reject them because over time, as you have that process, people will build up enough confidence to be able to speak freely. Um, there's plenty of people out there who are speaking freely, kudos to them, but I think most people are concerned about how they're going to be seen. Well, right. And speaking freely, I think maybe listening freely is a better approach, um, and I, you were, I kind of heard you saying this, like listening to what other people think and hearing them out to the end, um, when all of our conversations seem to be, again, because we're, everyone is standing back in their corners, so you can't even, if you're not in the middle of the room, you can't even hear each other talk. So everyone is just yelling their own points and not really looking for ways to connect and find common ground. Which that actually brings us into um, what I really want to talk about today, because I don't think we need to convince anyone who is listening to this that there is some major social tension happening. No, I think that's pretty universal. 
Um, and so we didn't, uh, I didn't even mean for us to talk this long on like kind oh, of the, yeah. the social, what am I even trying to say? We had like, to warm up into it because it, it's like getting into a hot tub. You got to like slowly ease your uh, way in. Oh, a hot tub. That would help everyone. I think <laughs> if we all just had our conversations and oh, hot, oh, maybe not, but <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Relaxing. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so what I really want to talk about is looking Jill, at... look outside. Okay. <laughs> That's... Uh, <a> s- <laughs> it's like, I don't know if this will stay in or not. No. We might have to... <laughs> oh, wow. That's part of the problem. We had some people drive by that had a numerous amount of flags, possibly 10. On the back of their truck, proclaiming a certain their political posi- position. Yeah, we won't say which one. That's okay. how we'll say to stay neutral. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> but you yeah. know, okay, that is a good example of seeing something like that, seeing such blazon support for something to, that to me feels so wrong. I now am having a really hard time um, not immediately going to a place of anger, Mm -hmm. um, not immediately being judgmental and, and I don't want to use the word hateful because it doesn't feel that extreme, but just a place where I think someone has lost their humanity (laughs) or their ability to connect with other people. Even in thinking those things, though, I'm doing that. When I see people who choose to proclaim so loudly um, their views, um, I I sometimes wonder what the point is. why you feel the need to express it in in such a very loud way. Um, because I would much rather have a conversation with that person. Um, those kinds of flags and, and things like that, they typically don't change people's minds, mm-hmm. nor do facts. But having conversations with people and trying to understand where people are coming from, that's what's going to um, allow people to draw different conclusions to even just understand each other better. Um, screaming is not a good form of communication, but having a chat over a cup of coffee, that's, that's an excellent way to have some better communication. Mm. Or perhaps the uh, internet equivalent of that would be going to your direct messages, having yeah. that one-on-one time. Um, so... Oh, wow, that was very <laughs> timely. Okay. <laughs> so, um, back to it. Mm-hmm. I want to spend some time talking about lessons that we have learned from creativity or th- just things that the creative process have taught us that we can transfer from this craft and creativity onto overlay that onto how we engage 
with society, how we engage with people one-on-one, but then also like how we approach our culture as a whole. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. (laughs) Taking the creative process into the world and using it to better communicate with other people. Yeah. So taking principles that we have learned working with in a creative environment and looking at how that can help us better navigate social tension. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Well said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have several things that I kind of jotted down and none of them are any particular order. Excellent. I um, got a couple of notes as well. Okay. So the first thing is maybe that in creativity there, it is not about victors and losers who won something and then they get the spoils of the losers. Yes. So there's no winners and losers. It it just is available to everyone. Does that seem too broad? No. Um, what comes to mind initially is, um, hold, hold on with me here. Okay. So my sister and brother-in-law played a game of Dungeons and Dragons. If you don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is, here's it in a tiny nutshell. Um, Everyone has a different role to play, and you all work together towards a common goal. Um, My sister was not aware of this. She just assumed that Dungeons & Dragons was something you could just win, Win. (laughs) which, if you know, you you would kind of chuckle. You're like, no, you can't, can't quote, win at Dungeons & Dragons. Part of it is the cooperative nature and the relationship. And it's similar with creativity. No one wins at creativity. No one comes out the victor um, because in the end, if someone does or claims to, then you have a lot of people who are left behind. My sister, you know, she got out of her D&D situation unscathed, but her friends were left behind. So in the end, the game did not play out like it was supposed to. And it's the same with the creative process as well. And I can't think of many, I don't know that there's many times um, that we put ourselves into a position where cooperation, collaboration is the goal. Most games, it is about winning or losing, even people being competitive. And that is fun. I feed off of that competition. And I think that that is one thing that makes this topic of social tension so heavy because I try to let myself exist in the gray areas and I try not to because I will argue anything even if I don't believe it because if I see weakness in someone else or if I think they don't really know what they're talking about they haven't thought through this point let me poke all these holes in it and then I just think what benefit is that It definitely, it makes me feel better for a moment, but all I've done is add to the problem. Yeah. So one thing that I, one reason I think I really enjoy being creative is because there is no winning. Yes. Like you were talking about books earlier and I'm a teacher, so I, I incorporate literature into a lot of the things that I do. Um, Literature is a collaborative art, 
it is creative in the sense that the author creates something and puts it on paper, but then it is consumed and reacted to by the audience. Yeah. And so, I mean, if someone writes a book and no one reads it, is it still, is it art? There needs to be a beholder, if you will. Mm. So when we're discussing issues of tension, that um, we need to realize that no one exists in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah, that brings up something that I hadn't really thought about, but um, I think it is why being creative is so vulnerable because that author, all they can do is tell the story that, that is inside of them and that they're trying to tell, but you can't control the way that the beholder engages with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, that is another thing that is relevant here too. Like you talking earlier about people not wanting to really make a stance or say what they believe. And it's all because we are still trying to hold on to other people's reaction maybe to what we say or, yes. or we think, well, if I say this, if, if I make a stand about what I believe on this topic, mm -hmm. then um, other people are going to react to me in this way. And I don't want that. And so maybe just like that author, let's go of what the audience is going. She cannot control what the audience thinks, but she still writes the story and she still hands her heart to them. Yes. I think we need to find ways or be as brave to, to put our hearts out there regardless of um, not being able to control what other people think about them. Yeah. So that can be very tiring for someone to continuously be vulnerable all the time. Uh, something to help with that would be to find, if you can, some sort of support system. It doesn't have to be someone who agrees with you, but it's just people that care about you, especially if they have differing views with you. Mm. Um, my parents and I don't always agree on everything, um, but I know that they care about me. Um, it's the same thing with um, my husband. It's I've got a couple friends that I may think some very strange and weird things, but they're going to care about me anyways. Continuing to open up with those people and then using that strength to then step out and share with others. Um, I mean, it's the same thing that I do like when I create my own clothing. I show my friends first, mm -hmm. and then I wear it out. I am vulnerable with those who care about me, and then I use that strength to step outside and then share it with the world. Yeah. Well, because we do all need those places where we can be unfiltered and a little bit raw, especially because all of these things that we are holding inside of this conversation are very emotional and very... Um, inflammatory. I don't know if that's the, the word that I'm wanting to use, but there is a lot of um, frustration and anger and a lot of the emotions that we're told not to expose, especially as um, women, oh, <laughs> women yeah, with yeah. strong opinions. If, if I, it, I don't ever want to come across as being angry or that I haven't, that I'm being illogical or that I'm just being emotional. And yet all of those things, all of those parts that we're trying not to be are very important to the process of figuring out 
of working through the tension, I, it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Emotions are part of social tension. If we were just dealing with facts and we were just talking about cold, calculated decisions, there wouldn't be the fire that's going on here. Um, but because there are feelings and emotions from everyone, mm-hmm. that that's part of what has that tension. But it's also part of what keeps us human. We can't take emotion out of these issues. So to ask someone to, well, you're too angry right now. I can't talk to yeah. you. Or I won't listen to those people because they're all so angry. Maybe instead of that, you could instead try to go at the conversation from a different perspective. Ask, why are you frustrated? Why are you angry? And hear out those reasons. Mm-hmm. This is really hard. I know it is hard. I, I think that it is. Um, I'm just so sad. Speaking of being emotional, I think it, it breaks my heart that we are, I don't even know how to say it, that it just feels like, it feels like hate is winning. Mm-hmm. It feels like, like I was saying earlier when that <laughs> truck drove by. I don't want for hate and hardness and defensiveness to be my default. And that's difficult because I am very opinionated. Yeah. But I want personally and also the reason make do exist is I want to be a place where, um, different perspectives and diversity and just all of the things that we are as humans are welcomed in one place. And I, right now I'm, I just, it feels more and more like that is impossible. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me frustrated that I can't, find the right words to convince people to like let things go so that they can hold love Mm -hmm. and I just I just want to be able to say that sentiment is in a way that is so eloquent that people we can like hand letter it on a little slide to go on Instagram and it will change the world That is also very prideful that I want to be the one (laughs) that comes up with that. But the reason I want to have this conversation is because I'm not okay with how things feel right now. I'm not okay with the tension that is existing here. I'm not okay keeping those thoughts to myself and being quiet about them anymore. Social tension is not going to leave. We're not looking to eradicate it. Um, I am. (laughs) Well, if we don't have tension, you know, if couples don't argue with each other, then someone's being quiet or silenced. And we don't want that. We want everyone to be able to be heard. But in order for that to happen, we have to actually listen to each other. And we cannot 
continuously shout over each other. Well, you bring up a good point because I, um, I kind of wanted to talk about tension as a necessity, but then also, you know, like if a rubber band is stretchy on purpose, like it yeah. has that, ten- or a bungee cord, it has tension on purpose. That's how it does its job. Mm-hmm. But when it is pulled so tight, too tight, it snaps. And I think that is maybe the distinction that I want to make Mm -hmm. is that I feel like we are on the precipice of a snap. And that is, I think that is what I'm lamenting Mm -hmm. is, is that tension. And maybe it's like tension with a capital T, capital (laughs) E in (laughs) S-I-O-N. It's in all capital letters. Because one of the things that I think is beneficial in creativity and in art specific, mm. when I was in college and took two-dimensional design, we learned about all the different principles of art, light and color and balance. And one of the things we learned is harmony. What I remember from that, so mm. this might not get me an A on the test anymore, but this is what stuck with me, is that harmony is the balance of unity and diversity or unity and variety. So if everything is the same, there's no harmony. In music, if every note is the same, there's no harmony. On the flip side of that, if there's only difference, if there's only the variety and the diversity, then everything is too chaotic and there's nothing bringing it together. So for something to be harmonious for something to be um pleasing it well it doesn't even have to be pleasing because there's music that has a harmony that invokes a certain emotion in us mm-hmm. it's not always good but for harmony to be achieved you have to have that balance of unity and diversity mm-hmm. and i think that that is creating what we're talking about that good sense of tension yes that moves us through the piece the art or the story or the movie or our world. Like we, we do need that tension. I think we just need a way to get the benefit of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we get the benefit of the tension of the discourse of the arguing when we're stretched like we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's something that creativity that comes to mind for you? Well, one of the things that I was considering was that um, whenever I am starting a new creative project, the first thing I normally do is I go and look for inspiration, whether it's a scrap of fabric Mm. or pictures um, or, you know, if you're building something, you go and look at what others have done. Um, And that, I like that process because you get to see all of these different ideas but eventually you're going to settle on something that's your own. Um, but your own idea is sort of a, um, it's a distillation of all of those different concepts. Mm-hmm. It's important in order to be a well-rounded person to have, you know, different points of inspiration in, um, in, the, in your worldviews. Um, thankfully, everyone is different. And so you can just talk to the person next to you and they'll probably disagree with you on one or two different Mm -hmm. things. Um, Listening to that and considering it, taking in all of those different points of view allows you to be understanding 
while also having your own point of view. Yes. Well, because when you're looking for inspiration, you are gathering all sorts of things that appeal to you. And then part of your process as the creator of that thing is to edit, to decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to set aside. And maybe not set aside and disregard forever, but save for a different project. Like it doesn't mean you don't still like that thing or are inspired by it, but whatever certain project you're working on cannot hold all of those things. And so you do that's your responsibility as the creator is to find inspiration and then to edit and to create something new. Yes. And so we can take that then also into um, how we are engaging with people. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't disregard a single image just because there's one thing we don't like about it. I would put that, oh, that's going on my Pinterest board because I like this specific thing in it. That doesn't mean I like the whole picture. You know, I can like parts of it. Um, Giving yourself space to like something that is part of a part of a section or idea or concept that maybe you don't disagree with, allowing yourself to like it, but also still disagree with it as a whole, that's really hard, but we're capable of doing that. Well, and more than like it, I think, but see the value in it. Yes. Yeah. Seeing the value in a concept and then... Um, but still being able to say, "Mm, I don't think I totally jive with all of that, but I appreciate it. Yeah. And can't that inform us on how to, how ways that we can shift our views to include some of those things that we see value in, like that our view doesn't hold, it doesn't hold every aspect of whatever the situation is either. Because like we said before, we have limited experience and limited perspective. So when we can pull that out from someone else and see the value, it lets us shift what we felt was right mm-hmm. um, in a direction that moves us forward. This gets really tricky too because I'm, I'm trying to be even careful with the language that I talk about yeah. because I know anything that we're saying, someone could think of a hot topic and be like, well, not this and not that. and That to me is even another aspect that we learn from creativity is the idea of painting with a broad brush versus nuance. One of my absolute favorite podcasts is Pantsuit Politics and Mm -hmm. their tagline is keep it nuanced, y'all. And I think that creativity has a lot to offer when we are thinking about what that means to be nuanced because it's so easy for us to have sweeping generalizations about the other side. Um, and that can be anything. It can be about the other political party. It can be about the other sports team that we're playing this weekend. Like <laughs> it can be about our neighbors. We just, we make these judgments and then we use a really big brush and we make sweeping generalizations. Mm-hmm. And there are abstract pieces of art that do that, that sell for millions of oh, dollars. Yes. Okay. So yeah, there is benefit aesthetically, <laughs> visually in sweeping with a yeah. broad brush, but there is also benefit in putting that big brush down and picking up a smaller brush and, and zooming in and looking at the nuance, at the different shades of blue that exist in that one thing or the shades of red 
just so that we're being even politically. Maybe I shouldn't have picked <laughs> blue or well, red. <laughs> it, it, full disclaimer, Joe's favorite color is this like very specific shade of like tealish yeah. blue. That's just like there's True. so many things that are painted yes. that color. So it's just my go to. Yes. To um to talk about shades of blue. Yes. Um, but you're talking about like talking about the broad brush. Um we our brains are not going to be able to concentrate on all of these different details at once. Uh-uh. So sometimes we do need to um kind of read into things broadly, um, surface, like on the yes. surface level. However, when we have a very complicated issue, that is the moment to then put that aside and then focus more on the details. And something that I wanted to talk about was that something that helps to decrease this social tension is understanding that there is always a story or a background um, to what's going on. There are, there is reason and, and purpose for why someone may see things or feel um, a certain way, just like behind every single creation that you have, there is a process in story that goes along with it. And knowing that adds value mm-hmm. to that object. Um, so many pieces of art have that, you know, a little information about it, um, a little card on the side, and it gives you more insight into why that piece has so much value. Quilts have so much value because you could talk about why you picked this fabric or where it came from or what you were feeling when you were putting it together. Um, hearing those is important. Um, taking the time to listen to people tell, well, why do you feel so strongly about this? Well, let me tell you a story of something that I experienced yeah. or something that I heard. Well, because just like reading the little placard at the museum that talks about whatever painting you're looking at helps bring that painting to life. I think that talking to someone (laughs) um, brings their story to life. That's what I was referencing back when we were talking at the beginning about the book, The Hate You Give. It's very easy, especially for something that that is not within my personal experience, it's easy for me to set that aside, to discard it as just something abstract that that doesn't real isn't real that doesn't affect me but once you can actually put a person to the problem that I don't know that that was the words I meant to use once you have a face mm. and a uh, a face and a story and a person that you care and connect with you can no longer look at whatever that issue is as just an issue And I think that even extends to the conversations that we're having. Like if you are um, struggling to engage with someone online, um, the reason why online is so difficult is because most of the time you don't know that person very well. Whereas if you are talking to a family member or friend, they could vastly disagree with you but it doesn't matter because you know that they're a kind and gentle yes. person, whatever. You know all those things about them. Um, taking a moment to realize that, that person who is angrily typing at you from across the screen, that they are a person in full, that they are, that they have people who love and care about them, and they are probably angry because they feel like something has gone wrong and they want to make it right. Um, 
going in with that understanding will help you be so much more patient with someone. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that um, has helped me, and and this is partly going back and um, as I've been editing and, and listening to the episodes we did on perfection mm-hmm. and perfectionism and letting go of perfect and just um, taking that out of the context of creativity and, and overlaying it into how I engage with people, that it's been very helpful to realize that I am not going to say something perfectly. I think I have already mentioned if you're Today. listening to this podcast, <laughs> you get to hear in real time us say things imperfectly. Us like stumble mm-hmm. in that there is, but we're still doing it. We knew this was going to be a hard conversation to have, not only with each other, but also we don't, I don't know who's listening to this. We don't know who. We know a few people, but yeah. we definitely don't know a vast, personally, a vast majority of people who are going to hear this. And so... To all of you, we are, we are just trying to work out and hopefully like give you some benefit. I don't know. We're trying to sit here and work through um, how we deal with the social tension, and hopefully you can find benefit in this conversation. It's not perfect, but maybe it gives you permission to go and have imperfect conversations with people. Exactly. That, that's what I'm trying to say, that, that we don't wait to have the conversation until we have all of our ducks in a row. And by ducks, I mean talking points. Okay. So if, have you been in a conversation with someone who does have all their ducks in a row and they're like, mm, wait, what you're saying right there? Nope. It's not that way. Oh, no. And they constantly interrupt you and how mm-hmm. frustrating that is. And not to mention the sheer amount of time it must have taken for that person to do all of that research and wonder and consider to try and poke holes in what you're doing. That's a lot of effort for just wanting to poke holes well, in someone's And it's also just so formulaic. It, it's just these, these are the points I know you're going to, it's debate prep, right? It's these are the points I know you're going to make and here's how I'm going to counter them. Mm-hmm. And it is back to what we were already talking about, about there being a winner and a loser. And I think that what's more true is that when we engage with people in that way, everybody loses. There is no winner just because you outsmarted or outthought or outargued or outvocalized the other person in the conversation. Yeah, because, again, those conversations don't change people's Mm-mm. minds. What does is those personal conversations where you, there it, that there is some give and take. It just makes me really sad because I think about times where I have done that in conversations. Yeah. Maybe not specifically about social tension, but when I've said, oh, no, this, you're wrong about this, this, and this. And sure, it may, like you were saying, feels good for a little bit. But in the end, I didn't, I didn't grow closer to that person nothing of benefit really came from it. And all it does is provide a reason for that person to walk away from you, from the relationship. Yeah, I feel the same. Is there anything else that you, that we haven't talked about that you want to mention? Yes, there is one thing. So, and I've, uh, there's something that you said to me a while back and I loved it so much. I've been repeating it (laughs) to lots of people. You said that everyone needs to take their carpet square and a juice box and needs to go in their corner and and think for a little bit. And 
that's not to sound demeaning because I am a teacher and I'm like, that sounds like a great idea because <laughs> I would love to be in my own corner and take a break. Um, when it comes to creativity, oftentimes you'll encounter obstacles or like artist block or whatever. And sometimes it pays off to take a break, walk away and come back. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of passionate people having really intense feelings right now. Um, and maybe what we need is just a moment to breathe and calm down, try to gather our thoughts and then come back. Because ultimately, you don't send a kindergartner to the corner to stay there forever. You send them there to cool off. Right. And you come back and then you can rejoin and hopefully be in a better frame of mind. And I hope that people are doing that right now. And taking your carpet square and your juice box and can I also have animal crackers? Oh, well, maybe. Taking <laughs> that to the corner to cool off is different than pulling up all of your toys and going home. Yes, or also <laughs> like going to the corner with only the people that agree with you so that you can just reinforce your own ideas. Oh, yeah. Because the whole point is to go cool off and calm down. Again, not so that you don't enter the conversation with emotion, but yeah. just so that um, you can, I think, come back with an open mind. Yes. Um, yeah. It can be very hard to consider things when you have very intense sadness, anger, mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people who are feeling very fearful right now. And taking a moment to process that, figure out what you're going to do with it, and then come back is going to be very beneficial um, for the person who feels that way and for everyone else. Like, give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack process come back everyone will be better for it yeah okay so 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 what I mean <laughs> we've had <laughs> a very um cautious vulnerable conversation yeah. and so now what well what comes to mind is that we are coming up on a holiday season where you're going to interact with people who feel differently than you and I know people who don't even engage in that situation because it's too scary. Mm. Uh, ultimately, I want you to be safe first. But secondly, if you're able to have even a small conversation with family members or friends that you see um, about how you're feeling and about the social tension that's been happening, I think everyone will be better for it. Um, alt again, be safe. Yeah. Don't put yourself in any dangerous situations, but try to be open and understanding. So, and again, like we talked about earlier, you cannot control someone's reaction, right? If you find that someone is hostile, then don't go near it again. Just understand that that person is not yet ready to have that open conversation with you and only getting louder or angrier at them will not change their mind. Um, so a few things I have been doing to relieve the tension. Mm -hmm. Um, I am completely off of Facebook. I mean, I, I have, Oh, to that's right. Are you going to talk about 
the thing that you yeah, have? Yeah, so I have to be on Facebook, or I'm on Facebook still for Make Do. But um, what was happening was I would log on to Facebook to post something for Make Do, and then I would end up scrolling through my newsfeed, and that is where I would just start getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> or I would see what people would post, and then I would think, is that really what they think? And, I, you know, um, it's just better if I don't know what people are going to repost and share without personal comment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there was a, there's a plugin you can get for, if you use Chrome called newsfeed eradicator and it takes your newsfeed away and it replaces it with a really pleasant quote to help make the world better. Um, Another thing that I would say is to watch the social dilemma on Netflix. Have you watched it? I have not. I haven't even heard of it. What's it about? It is about how social media is the reason we are in the place that we are now. So it talks a lot about, um, you know, my newsfeed looks one way because social media is, the algorithms are feeding me things that they know that I'm going to like. It's tailored to you. And then they're feeding me things that they know I'm going to hate. Because that's what keeps me on the platform longer. Oh. So someone else's newsfeed is going to look completely different than mine, right? Yes. So, but what it does is it is feeding me all of these things that I'm like, how does no one see? How does everyone not see that this problem X could be solved if we would do this mm-hmm. because of what it's showing me? And then, you know, someone else's newsfeed, they're seeing well, obviously problem X needs to be solved by this. How does everyone not see? So it's just, it is an insidious way to increase the polarization and the tribalization that we are experiencing right now. And um, they interview people who were in very prominent positions at Facebook, at Instagram, at Pinterest, at Google, and you just hear them talk about technology and this is why it was designed this way but this is how it's being used it's fascinating Mm -hmm. um and so what's it called again the social dilemma social uh you need to watch it madison Mm -hmm. and then anyone else who's listening that hasn't seen it you need to to figure out a way to watch it because it and it doesn't feel so um it's scary but then also you think wait a minute i can take power i can take this power back that's something you can do right now. Yes. Um, and it is, I mean, when you think about the impact that it's having globally, it's scary. We can't do anything about that. But what I can do is limit my exposure. And so what I, anyway, what I'm trying to do instead is just get back to being creative. I told Madison, I've been working for two days. This will end up being my third day (laughs) that I've worked at McDo on a quilt. And it's been ages since I quilted um, just for myself, like just kind of exploring that thing that first got me into really invested in creativity and into sewing. And a lot of obviously at McDo, our whole job is creative (laughs) and we spend a lot of time doing creative things, but they all have the purpose of, um, of this is a sample for a class that's coming up or it's never about my own creativity. So I have spent the last probably week and a half, more than that, two weeks, just it seems like all I can do is um, things that have a lot of color and that are pretty to look at and um, (laughs) 
where I can go through the motions, the physical motions of being creative. And I've been doing that like in silence, not listening to podcasts, not listening to music. Sometimes I'll put music on, but I'm really just trying to um, quiet a lot of the noise. I built our a quilt rack for us yeah. and they do just trying to to find projects like that because I feel like my brain cannot um s- stay still and focus. Like productivity in my brain mm-hmm. it feels like a real stretch right now. Um that's that's an excellent suggestion. Go and find something that you can put into the world that makes your space better or more efficient or um, doing something that you're passionate about so that you can see that you do have an effect on this world. Yeah. All of the things that you put out and make are part of this world and you are able to affect change like that. One thing that that brings to mind is the idea of um, creating something versus just consuming things all of the time and so especially when we're on social media all we're doing is consuming and it's coming at us so quickly and it's so easy when Mm -hmm. we're tired I was speaking to one of my board members yesterday and she said I actually wrote her quote down because I thought that feels so true she said creativity is a gamble on your energy being creative is energizing especially for those of us who would identify as creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, we get energy from that. But at the same time, it can take so much effort to put forth something creative. And if you don't know the outcome, it can feel like a loss when you're needing to feel productive. Yes. So when you're using creativity as an outlet for productivity, yes, there's a gamble because what you do may not turn out well Mm -hmm. um so I'm just trying to let go of that productivity side of it and try to see try to focus on that idea of creativity being energizing for me and right now it's the battery that I need to plug into because I feel like I'm really running out of margin Mm -hmm. in the other areas yeah so whatever it is whatever is your jam go do it for a little bit Give yourself time. Um, Take care of yourselves because if you're better, then that means we're all better. I'm so tired. I know. It's just, uh, I feel like crying and going to sleep. We can do that. We can can take a nap now as part of our post-podcast recording. Y'all, thanks for sticking with us. This this was uh, probably the longest one that we've done and we um I know I was trying to to say things without really saying things and I don't know if that was the right approach to take but um we well maybe I want to say it this way I know where I stand on the issues that's not my problem I did not want this to be another podcast about what the issues are and where you should stand on them and why I wanted this to be a conversation on everyone knows where they stand and why, and that's part of why it feels like we can't um, connect with each other anymore and make do exist to serve our community and restore hope through creativity that leads to connection, that leads to compassion. 
So that I think that's that is what that's where I'm um hurting right now and and that's why this feels so important because when we lose the connection we lose the capacity for compassion and it feels really dangerous to me when we toss things off as oh that's just too political I'm not going to engage in that because when we do that when we refuse to engage we are consciously severing our connection with other people and when we do that we are losing our capacity to care for them so keep connecting and keep caring for people I guess that is Mm -hmm. what I that's what I think (laughs) okay I'm gonna quilt today what are you gonna do today after you take your nap oh after my (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I mean I guess I could I gotta prep for Deathly Hallows wreath which I am excited about it's been very cool to be able to take an idea and be able to execute it here at Make Do. I never thought I'd be teaching a class like that. We're having a, um, on Saturday, so I guess in the show notes we can post a, an after picture, mm-hmm. but we're having our first adult Harry Potter craft. It's going to be a Deathly Hollows wreath for your door. Oh, it, that's, that's very close to my heart, and it makes me feel amazing that I get to be in a place or I can teach classes like yeah. that. And if anyone understood social tension, it's Hogwarts. <laughs> we we have all like we we have very diverse houses that are so, coming. Yeah. So the, are you going to let them we have to mix them up. Like you can't just sit with your house. That's part of the problem. Yep. Yep. So all right. Well, there are lessons we can learn from Harry Potter. Oof. Guys, thanks for um sticking with us for this one and Yes. We'd really like to hear your thoughts, too. It makes it feel like it's not just a one-way conversation. Yes. Please let us know your feelings. Yeah. Well, it's not a one-way conversation because Madison and I are staring at each other and talking. <laughs> but we, we don't, we don't want to be our own echo chamber. No, we want to hear from you. Yeah. So. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend, Craig Hudson, for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Circe. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things. We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, y'all.